love that opening. Dad. I'll get another. We'll, All right. We'll record. Welcome to Coffee and Mimosas, <laughs> episode one. <laughs> so here is our commitment to you, our listeners. Still maybe zero. <laughs> That's your commitment to the listeners, we, but go ahead. We are going to replace that, that drum beat by episode five. Okay. Dad, you play the guitar. Yeah, yeah, I know. I play the guitar and she wants me to write a a hit composition to open the podcast, but I will. It doesn't have to be a hit composition, but maybe a little ditty or something. I will do it. You're not touring. What are you busy with? Are you doing a podcast? Working full time? (laughs) (laughs) Move on. Welcome, everybody. Whoever is listening, thank you. Today, we are going to do something interesting. As our first episode, we thought, let's take a trip down memory lane. And spend some time digging into the ins and outs of what a career can look like and the twists and turns along the way. So thought I thought this would be an interesting journey for me to get to ask my dad all different questions about what he wanted to be as a child all the way through to where he still sees his career going and life in the future. So the intent of today is uh, really self-serving for me because I'm going to get to learn all about him. But also, I think for you, our listeners, everybody has a place that you start. And I think along the way, I can certainly say for me, you look for the moments that tell you what you want to do later or moments when you find things that really this is going to sound so corny, but set your heart on fire, right? The things that yeah, you really I mean, want to right. do. Hopefully this will be a chance to look at a career that's had a little bit more time. Christina, you, 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 you keep alluding to how old. <laughs> but a career okay. that's had a little bit more time and some of the lessons learned and things like that brought you to where you are today and where you want to go. Okay. What do you think, Dad? You want to dig into it? I don't know. We'll see how the questions are and I'll try not to embarrass myself, and hopefully you won't embarrass me. And this is no holds barred, so... I know. Okay. Go for it. All right. So why don't we start with little Joey, you as a child. (laughs) I don't remember You were very cute in pictures from what I've seen. Yeah, that ended at about five. Um, I think maybe more 15, but maybe 14, (laughs) if I'm going objectively from pictures I've seen. but So what did you want to do when you were growing up? What was your... When I was really little, so when I was really little, I obviously didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but it is funny because I was enamored with the garbage men. Like I thought being a garbage <laughs> man was like a really cool. <laughs> I'm not laughing because it's not cool. I'm just laughing because. Well, I, I figured how hard could it be? I mean, you, you, you hang on the end of, I think standing on the truck while it moved was awesome. I do, That actually does sound And then you hop me. off the truck, pick up the garbage and throw it in the back. And then that machine crushed everything that's so cool this is not a man who likes to get his hands dirty so if you can see my face that's the shock and awe that i feel in this no disrespect to the job of garbage but i just i can't see it i just thought that was pretty cool and then like any kid i think i wanted to be a cop i thought that was cool too just because of fancy car light on the car you have a gun (laughs) the whole bit that was pretty much it oh and then I did think it was cool because my parents, I'm Catholic, and parents made me go to church every week. So I thought being a priest would be something cool. A priest? Yeah, all these people. This podcast wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Well, I didn't see when I was really little, I didn't know that. But as I will tell you, as I grew up and then realized that I couldn't go out with girls, that that ended the priest thing for me. But we don't need to dig any further into what that meant to you. But I just, I just thought it was pretty cool. All these people came to see you every week and you had a big like all these fancy gowns you were big on the wafer 
I think yeah. that's what it was because food has always <laughs> driven you. So was it just because you were like, I could get endless wafer? <laughs> Nobody to tell me that you can only get one on Sunday morning. <laughs> and I didn't know I was gluten free at that time. So it didn't <laughs> It was that's so, it. It was yeah. endless wafer, but then you yeah. realized endless wafer meant right. no women. That's it. And it would have meant no Christina, no daughter in your life. Could you imagine what that would have been like for yeah. me? Yeah, would have been really tough. Yeah. That would have been really tough, yeah. Dad. So that's that's real little. So what about that's all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. So garbage man, police officer, priest. But think about it. When you're little, you have no point of reference. So what do you see? You mm-hmm. see the garbage man, you see a policeman, you see the ice cream man. You know what I'm saying? It was the people that you looked up to. I pretty much, especially the ice cream man. <laughs> the ice cream man. <laughs> so as you got older mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit more informed, what were some of the things that you did or jobs that you had or themes in your life? I will. I do remember that I my parents made me wait till I was like 11 or 12 to mow the lawn and stuff, but then... Not that I like mowing that the lawn. That shocks me. Don't get me wrong. Was it because of children labor laws that they waited that long? Because <laughs> no. knowing grandma, I unfortunately didn't get to know grandpa, but knowing grandma, she would have put you to work as soon as you could walk. No, in the house, I was vacuuming and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> but no, but it was really cool with the mowing the lawn because then I got, I, I was, I really found out early I was pretty entrepreneurial. I always had a little job like I always had a little business I had a neighbor we had a neighbor his name was Orlando Spear but we called him Speary everybody called him Speary and he was a great guy he was always working on his car and he was like a mechanic and all that so when I started mowing lawns he would it was really nice he would find lawnmowers that people were throwing away out on the curb and bring them back and then we would take the engine off this one and put the wheels on that one and was pretty cool so he kept me in business so i could mow lawns i would pick weeds mow lawns and i had a paper route at 12 which taught me a lot because you had to pay for the papers ahead of time really deliver them and then collect on friday and even as a little kid i would get pissed off at some of the people that would be can you come back next Friday? And I'm like, hey, are late, you telling late. me that people were trying to shake down yes, a little kid? The little that paper was... boy. I'm 12 years old. And I'm like, lady, I paid for these papers already, you little whatever. This is amazing. You know, so, and then I shoveled snow in the winter. You so, know, I, so, so, what this tells me is that your lawn mowing career, it sounds like that you really started out from nothing, considering nobody even bought you a lawnmower <laughs> in order to well, do it. You had to had find a, like scrap lawnmowers. Well, Dad had a lawnmower, but you got to remember, I was now mowing lawns. But that break, was like the first you know? thing, and then you were like, "Okay, I I found this lawnmower. I was able to make a few pennies, and now mm-hmm. I, you were able to invest that into the newspaper business." <laughs> <That's> correct. <laughs> and quickly got pissed off at people who wouldn't pay me. And that that you know, and then as you I, I, moved into your later careers as a consultant and working for yourself, right. you realized that was also you still had to chase down people for people money. People still don't pay you. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you really brief. I don't want to bore you with this, but there was Mrs. Maury down the block, and this is horrible because she was. I'm a little kid. She was like eight thousand years old. She was probably like fifty, but <laughs> at the time she was really old. And her husband had passed away, and she asked me to pick weeds. And I spent all afternoon picking dandelions out of her lawn. This is no lie. I filled up a pail of dandelions, and she gave me a quarter. And I remember I was so angry, and I went home, and I was yelling. And I was like to my mom, I was like, 
I worked all afternoon. She only gave me a quarter. Blah, blah, blah. And mom was like, she's old and her husband just passed away. But what's the lesson learned there? You got to set your price up front, exactly, bud. Exactly. Exactly. That's what that taught you, right? Yeah, you don't they, you don't start the work until you've got a contract in place and somebody I just knows. Assumed, I assumed <laughs> she would compensate the little brat that was that lived down the block, but she didn't. <laughs> you can't even trust an old lady. It seems nice. No. So anyway, I'm sorry. That's it. It's very interesting that so many of your early, early jobs, it, you haven't picked up a lawnmower since. No, I don't do anything outside You do anymore. not weed. No, absolutely. I got a landscaper now. So you certainly learned what you did not want to do absolutely. at a young age. I hate outdoor work. Yes. So what were some of the most uh, important themes and lessons learned and patterns and things like that that you started to experience as you got older and that kind of shaped where you would go next i will tell you i did decide pretty early on and i'm actually it, it lent a lot of struggles but overall i'm very happy about it i always wanted to do what i wanted to do early on and no one told me this and i don't know why but i never understood people who were very happy on friday and dreaded Sunday nights because they had to go to work on Monday. I literally, even as a little, even younger, I didn't understand why you would want to live your life that way. Is it because no one wanted to hang out with you on weekends? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't don't get me wrong. Like school, I hated Monday because I had to go back to school or whatever. But I'm, I'm sorry, Dad. About, people want to hang out with you. I know. But, just to set the record straight. Yeah, right. But yeah, that's something like when I got out of school, I said, I'm not going to do that. And that when you get to later on, if you ask me about other jobs. Why don't we why talk I... a little bit about some of the jobs that you had? And you can run down a list, but let's talk about what was like the pivotal thing that each of them. This is, I'll blend this into, I started out as an accountant, but I'll, it blends into why I'm not an accountant today. But I, so when I went to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Honestly, I still wanted to be a policeman or something. I had no idea. So I majored in history and political science because I always love, I absolutely love history and love politics. I never ran for office or anything, but I just, as a observer, I like politics. So I was a history and political science major, and I had a job at the Army-Navy store in Bergenfield. And Leo Diamond was the owner of the store. And I will never forget, he, he was a great guy. And he used to criticize me and keep saying, why are you, what are you going to be with a history degree? Seriously, Joe, what are you going to do with it a history It is a good degree? question. Yeah. And I was, I, I literally never gave it any thought. I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to college because I'm going to college and I'm majoring in history. And one day his accountant, he used to, his accountant used to come in every month to do the books. And his accountant walked in, said hi to him. He goes into the back, and Leo said to me, now you see, you should be an accountant because this guy charges me an arm and a leg every month, and he has a lot of money. And don't you want to have a lot of money? And I said, yeah, I want to have a lot of money. He goes, you should be an accountant. And literally, Christina, I was, I think it was my end of my freshman year, I switched my major to accounting. I couldn't spell accounting. I didn't even know what account. I knew nothing about it. Because you like money more than you like history. Well, I just figured he's right. I want to make money. So <laughs> I, how bad could it be? And that's when I switched my major to accounting. And of course, when you graduate college with an accounting degree, you end up getting a job in an accounting firm. Really? Yeah, that, that's a, <laughs> right. it's a pretty specific major. <laughs> right. So your passion was accounting and no, numbers. No, it wasn't. 
No, not at all. I liked it in school, but it bothered me because it was really hard. And my friends who were just business majors, they were able to go to parties and stuff, but I was like studying too much. But anyway, no, I didn't have a passion for it. And then I got out of college. Let me back up. I interned at an account. So you firm. so you your college major was really set by Leo Diamond. Leo Diamond. He basically <laughs> could have enrolled you in school and just He could have said I should be an astrophysicist. I probably would have <laughs> been an astrophysicist. And you would have struggled and not gone to any parties and studied and then you would have been like on Correct. On Mars or something. Correct. Right and, now. and actually this is a big point because I think a lot of kids are not given any guy I had absolutely no guidance whatsoever. No one ever gave me a proficiency exam what am i good at of course not they didn't even buy you a lawnmower no exactly (laughs) and i'm not criticizing my parent my parents were absolutely fantastic but no but there were six of you i'm one of six kids and my dad was pretty much working all the time and my mom was just trying to keep us all together alive and all that yeah so that's why i became an accountant it's definitely served you well i know to this day you still do accounting for a number of people yeah i still have that on the side but this is the interesting thing the sick part of me is that i'm always entrepreneurial i was a tax accountant when i got out i ended up drifting into tax accounting and i worked three years in public accounting and then i went to lipton t as in the tax accountant uh, as a tax accountant what's sexier than regular accounting but tax Tax accounting accounting. there you go because i was not going to do auditing anyway I have clients from all the way back then that I still do their tax returns and I still do tax returns on the side. It's not a lot, but I do it on the side. But I found out early on that was not for me because everything was month end, quarter end, year end, and so on. And I didn't want to be governed by a calendar. So I ended up leaving leaving accounting. But that's part of my theme is that if I'm not happy, I switch to something else. So what did you switch to? So the Because and, and at that point in life, so mm-hmm. let's just break this down. What was your personal life at that time? Obviously when you were mowing lawns you were a little boy. When you were in college, you were whatever, college age. Right. Again, math, not my thing. Well, so I'm pretty much single, but you, I met ma I met your mom nineteen eighty eighty one or so. So I was at Lipton when I met mom and I met her there. So, so that was before tax accounting. That was when you uh, well, were doing like... No, I was a tax accountant at Lipton okay. when I met mom. Yeah. Yeah. So that my personal life is no kids, okay. met mom and whatever. But here's the cool thing. Back then, Apple came out with the Apple II or whatever it was, the, the Apple computer PCs. Like the first computer? The first, yeah. <laughs> you don't look at me like that. I yes. Listen, I again, I... <laughs> The facts are speaking for themselves yes, here. I know. I, I didn't have. I have to tell you, I always liked gadgets. Like I always had a like transistor radio. I always had something cool. And when computers came out, I literally was enamored with them. But they were super expensive, and I couldn't afford it. But Lipton bought a couple of them. No one knew how to use them, so I asked if I could take computer courses and I took computer courses Lipton offered them and whatever on spreadsheets and the early PCs because of those courses I offered and they allowed me to put all of these tax spreadsheets and stuff from paper onto the computer and I was absolutely fascinated so after your mom and I got married I started my own business 
doing bookkeeping and accounting, but I started selling accounting software and stuff to businesses because I was in love with computers. And that started my first entrepreneurial like business. Very cool. So see, that's the stuff that intrigues me because it's it, how these things weave together. Mm -hmm. You went from tax to that's where you got introduced to the computer. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is, I won't say history because there's still a lot well, <laughs> that it, came it, next. If you're illustrating me, it's, it's I've always, I became enamored with it and I said, I'm going to make money with it. And that's what I've always done is I'm enamored with it. I'm going to monetize this somehow. And I will just sidebar here for a moment. <laughs> Two sidebars. First of all, we had way too big of a breakfast this morning. So <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> but that's what the show is. Coffee yeah, and mimosas. We had coffee and mimosas breakfast. and a big ass breakfast. <laughs> and then the other sidebar is that I have seen that theme, like the monetized theme, because everybody has ideas and everybody has things that they really enjoy. But a lot of times that's where it starts and ends. And I've always found it really funny to watch my dad because you have always found a way even if it was something like a drone so my husband got a drone and he showed my dad and my dad was again enamored with it <laughs> and was like i must have one <laughs> so we got for christmas that one year what was it the dji or whatever yeah. the dji drone all of a sudden my dad is like learning every single way that you can use the drone fly the drone and oh, by the way, he gets himself certified so that he can get paid to take videos with the drone. I actually took the FAA exam and got my what's called a Part 107 yeah. pilot's license, drone pilot's license from the FAA. I'm like, who? <laughs> this was a toy. <laughs> you took this toy and now you found a way to turn it into a little business if you wanted to. Right. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Go ahead, Dad. No, that's so right. So. Yeah. So the computer business, that was like a, your first entrepreneurial pursuit where you left Lipton, you decided you were going to start your own thing. What kind of investment did that look like? That's, well, it's, it's probably my biggest mistake that I've made in my life is that I didn't have enough capital. That, Everything was bootstrapped. So you didn't learn from the the landscaping business? Uh, it's so funny because I, I it can continue to follow me that People don't always pay their bills. No, but it, it was good. I was actually on the cutting edge of um, being a, what's called today is called evaluated reseller. And that's kind of what I was. Many of the accounting computer software companies at the time were programmers selling it to accountants and they're not accountants. And my unique selling proposition was that I knew accounting and knew the computers and could make the system you so know, you work could the way get people to. fully set up and operational correct, correct. and correct. actually take their spreadsheets and turn them into and a, yeah so that's what so that was so good. that was kind of like your unique value prop correct and how did that business do how long was that life? that did well that was throughout the 80s and i had employees i had an office on hamburg turnpike my uncle jimmy started working with me and and so on. Do you recommend and, hiring family? Yeah, we did. No, we did great. If he's Uncle we Jimmy, can, we yeah. can sidebar if, you know, yeah. Uncle Jimmy's not listening to this yet, I don't think. Oh, no, no, he will. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was great and he added a lot and we were really good. But what, what happened there was we just were not, mom was, you kids came, mom wasn't working. She was now taking, raising yeah. you kids and it just wasn't bringing in the money that it, it. So it, that's a pivotal point, right? Mm -hmm. Because... God, kids just ruin everything, huh? No, stop no. it. 
I came along. My brother came along. I came along. And then we just screwed up the no, whole entrepreneurial plan. No, 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 no. No, no, no I'm just kidding. But those are things that seriously impact whether or not. I, I think that's important, right? Because the changes in, in personal life very much impact mm-hmm. how much you're able to balance like what you want to do out of passion and and right. what you have to do. Well, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but I learned another big lesson about specialization because I ended up, we got involved. One of my employees who I hired as a salesman was really good. He was enamored with engineering and architectural and we ended up getting an architectural and engineering accounting package. And we focused on architectural firms and engineering firms. And it went, it was going really well. And in 1989, there was a huge real estate recession and architects and engineers went out of business. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the specialization was great. Was great until, until it wasn't. wasn't. That's correct. That's <laughs> correct. So I learned, and that's what really ended the business because a number of our clients went bankrupt and we were left w- with some debt that we, we Then you had to had. figure out. Yeah, and Uncle Jimmy then needed a job because we weren't making it. <laughs> it's not funny, but. No, we didn't go bankrupt or anything. We didn't, lo- we kept. Now is that we kept when going. We is that when didn't... is that when the Wyckoff Bakery intersects into life, or was that later? A little bit later on. That was a little bit later on. Okay. Uh, so what did you do with that business? Did you go and start working for somebody else? Then what did you well, do? Well, it, it. I continued the business. I continued to do the. So it was just consulting. smaller. It was smaller. Okay. Yeah, I continued to do it, and then the bakery was one of my clients. Okay. But they basically offered me to come in and partner with the general manager and rescue that business that it, it had gone down. And I will just tell everybody of the jobs that I am aware of and know, I thought my dad was cool for the first time <laughs> and last time in my life. No, I'm just kidding. I think you're cool every day, dad. But when he worked for Wyckoff Bakery, that was freaking awesome because I would get to go in there and taste all the cookies and like ice things. You you were, let's say, maybe 11, 12 years old and all those high school and college girls that were working was behind the counter. I was a lot younger than that. Okay. Again, but you, you got, theme here, he does not know how old I am. I don't am. know how old she is. <laughs> no, she was, yeah, that's true. You, you we were, were like, you were like five eight, and six. Yeah, but you were treated like a queen by those oh my high God. school and college girls. It was the best. Yeah, so that was cool. But that was great because I then, with my partner, were able to turn that that business around. And I kept the computer consulting on the side. And the tax work that he had been doing. And the tax work. So I was able, I never had a, I didn't have a, we weren't making a ton of money, but money was fine. Yeah, well, you always had multiple streams. I had multiple streams of income at that point, and I learned my lesson never to specialize, so... Well, uh, or yeah, be careful. Don't put all your eggs careful. in one basket. Yeah. And I think that's something that you carried through for forever mm-hmm. in that you never had everything hinging on, on one that's stream correct. of income, that's which correct. is important yeah. if you want right. to be around for the long haul. Correct. Correct. So that was that. And then that was for about four years. And we turned that around. Best four years and, of my childhood. And then somebody came in and bought that. And so that was fine. When I came out of that, at the same time, and I don't want to, this will go on too long. We'll have to do two sessions. This might go into <laughs> session two. But during that period of time, I took the Dale Carnegie course. At the same time, I told you I still had clients 
for computer consulting. I wrote my own CR, a very early CRM system, but customer relationship management, which was basically a tickler file. In other words, so if, if I was, only you had figured out what Salesforce figured out. Yes, we could have been in a very we different been really situation now. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote like a little thing. Oh, I'm going to call this client uh, prospect. And they said, oh, call me back on Thursday. And I made a little thing. And I re- never forget I was at an, a client, an account, a, one of my computer consulting clients. And they saw this computer printout on the table. And they said, what, what's that? And I said, what I, who I have to call next? My notes? What? And they were like, oh, that's really cool. So I said, oh, you, you want one? And so I charged the client to write them a CRM. So if you're noticing... I was doing the computer thing, but I now added a service, uh-huh. and it was now sales software. Sales software is sold to salespeople, which of you are one. Correct. As I was teaching salespeople how to use the software, I was noticing how god-awful the salespeople were, <laughs> and I would tell the owner, I could do some training, sales training, because I think you could really get better, and that was the morphing into between the Dale Carnegie training and I became a Dale Carnegie instructor, which made me more able to speak and do training and be in front of a group. And training salespeople is when I moved that entire business out of computer consulting and into sales training and then eventually into management training. So that, if I had to sum up like the main pivotal area in your career, and then I think to what you're doing today now, mm-hmm. process improvement, right. certainly training customer service and all that you're bringing to your current role. That was probably like the linchpin or the pivot point. Correct. I tend to use things the wrong way. I don't that's know if okay. I used linchpin right there. Know. Somebody, I don't know, fact check this later. But that's like the pivot point when mm-hmm. you realized this is what I really enjoy and this is what I want to do. Yes. It's neat how all of that intertwined to get there, but you're still doing a little bit of the rest of it along the way. Yeah, but when you, it looks like, oh, he's done a lot of things, but actually that's now been, that's my, that's me, is that I really love, and and it's not telling people what to do. It's really analyzing processes, analyzing things, and uh, having an ability to make the changes. So... As you think about looking back, what would you do differently if you did everything, if you had to go back and do it again? Money. So the, the reason <laughs> we're not wealthy today, <laughs> you would think this guy's had multiple revenue streams or whatever. Really, the thing is, I, I think my biggest problem in business was I was always bootstrapping. So everything was on my, when I say my back, obviously my back, I don't mean that way. I did not handle the capital side of it. I should have had more either investors, money. And the other thing is I tended to do, because I money, I was trying to maximize money, I did everything myself. Mm-hmm. And you can't grow. I, let, let's say I could build bill $200 an hour. I would say, I'm keeping that $200 an hour. Right. But if I had a brain, <laughs> which I learned later, but at the time, early on, if I had a brain and I paid someone else a hundred dollars an hour but put them over here and then another person a hundred dollars an hour i'd be making 200 300 400 because you would have been able to scale it more right but i ended up pretty much just doing things myself 
I think that was probably one of the biggest lessons. And it's something that I'm learning at this stage in my mm-hmm. career is the importance of figuring out what the essential things are that absolutely you need to do and that all your strengths and talents are critical for. And then figuring out how much more effective you can be if you can offload all the other bullshit to somebody else. That's, that's correct. I just need to find the somebody else. That was my problem because <laughs> it's very hard and hiring people is very difficult. And when you don't have a lot of money and you make a mistake hiring, it could be devastating. So, you know, that if you if I would pinpoint one area that I wish I um, was better, had schooled myself better on or thought about more was that. So now going from constantly your entrepreneurial spirit, figuring out your own way, having your own business and being your own boss, what are the main differences and kind of pros and cons if somebody is thinking about where they want to go and where they want to take their own professional career or business? What have the pros and cons been in your mind from that to working for a company and Mm -hmm. being a part of somebody else's big vision and plan? Right. The best part for me is that, A, it's not my money. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a negative, but the company is bigger than me. I have a lot more, there's a lot more people that are talented and that are skilled and do those jobs. And the money can be used more as the tool that money should be to invest, to maximize, and so on. But my paycheck, is not dependent upon that. Mm -hmm. And I spent most of my life where my paycheck was the last thing that was taken care of. And now I don't have, I'm free. I don't have that issue. Yes. You can focus on all the others. On all the others. Well, and one thing I've noticed for sure, Mm -hmm. most of my life growing up, you had your own business, right? Mm -hmm. So I know vacation was always, and maybe that's why you hated the beach. Maybe it wasn't the beach, but (laughs) maybe it was more. My mom always made it a point that we needed to go to Wildwood Crest every single year and we'd go for a week. And it was like the bane of my dad's existence. He he was happy when we were there and we had a great time and, and he'd you know, bring his pale self out to the the beach and put pop his hat on. But it was, I think later on you were sharing like that meant you weren't working for a week. And if you weren't working for a week, you couldn't bill for a week. And yeah, that was, that was my biggest, you didn't have paid vacation. You still had to do everything and working for a company, you have certain benefits. You can take a week and you're still going to get your salary or get paid and a little bit of flexibility and breathing room there yeah yeah it was just because it was stressful for me because I, and then clients would call and i had support issues or i had this or i had that and i still had to take care of them so one last like theme that hopefully we can weave through here and then we'll start to tie up here but how, how did your volunteer work because that was always something that certainly from when i was little mm-hmm. i was at rotary meetings with you or yep. We went to Wayne Day every year, which for for anybody that doesn't know, it's a big festival that we have in town. It happens every single year. Businesses participate. Like There's all kinds of concession stands and little rides. There used to be fireworks. So how has all of that, like how did volunteer work impact your life and ultimately business? Like what did that mean to you? It was huge. It was absolutely huge. I grew from my involvement with Rotary, a huge 33 34 years in Rotary. It's a fantastic a service organization. What happens when you volunteer, it's deeper 
than what you do because when you volunteer for something, you, you there's no there's no dollars that are dependent on on your time, and so you're giving of yourself. You're meeting other people who are like minded, service minded people. When you take a leadership role, you can make mistakes because like you volunteered, who's going to really criticize you? But that means you learn a tremendous amount about how to, if you can get people to do things when they're not being paid for it, think about that. That's huge. (laughs) And it teaches you, it teaches you how to motivate people when in a job, if you work for me and you need your salary, that's like holding a gun to your head. I can do whatever you're told to do. But you just volunteered for a Rotary Club, and I have to try to ask you to be treasurer or secretary or run the fruit sale or, you know what I'm saying? You learn about how to get things done through and with people. You learn leadership. You meet people who are awesome because they're also giving themselves. You also end up with, you meet attorneys, architects, engineers, mechanics, home builders, electricians. You end up not wanting for anything because if you have a problem, there are people who will stop everything they're doing to help you. So Um, the intention, because everybody is there and operating for the same reason and not a motive of making money or Mm -hmm. opportunistic motivations, you just organically end up with opportunities because you know that at the core, these people are your kind of people. And Mm -hmm. these people are people that you trust and uh, you end up doing business together in some capacities because of that. Yeah, and but not because someone joins and they pass out their card and you do business with them. Well, and that's a big thing, right? Because we've talked about that, that there have definitely been people that have come and gone from different organizations or clubs. And I think it's a, a good piece of advice for people that are looking at networking opportunities and are looking at the reason why you do things is very clear to other people. Mm -hmm. And if you're, so I always think about what organization can I join or be a part of that I really care about. And then along the way, maybe you'll network and, and find people that you can help and can help you in other ways. But if the reason that you're joining that group or the reason that you're deciding to volunteer your time is to get something out of it, other than the feel good of giving, you're probably not doing it for the right reason and right. you probably won't get the outcome that you're looking no, for. No, and we see these people come and go all the time because they think they're going to get leads. No, when I get to know you, I've worked with you on a committee, we've gotten to know each other, whatever it is, I then trust you. I've also met other people who have worked with you and they like what you do. That's when you start to get right. the leads, but you know, it's not going to happen. That takes a few years. But anyway, that, the, to get to your answer, all of my volunteer stuff has enriched my life much more than anything that I have ever given to it. Would you say more than being a father? <laughs> no. <laughs> Knucklehead? No. So, Dad, let's tie up with thinking forward. Where do you want to go? So you've done a lot. (laughs) We have weaved in and out of back when you used to roll up your sleeves and pick weeds to now when you will not. Yeah, get my hands dirty at all. You don't even step foot outside. Correct. (laughs) So what, where do you want to, where do you want the rest of your story to lead? Very interesting. I'm very happy in the job that I have. I'm very happy and I feel like I'm contributing and, and helping you know the business, so I'm very happy there. I love this podcast. I have to tell you, 
I uh, love working with you and I love, yeah, and I love, you know, what the future holds on this. I play the guitar and the band. It's been almost six years that I've been in this band till we can't and talk about monetizing. Whoever thought for six years I've yeah, actually earned money playing the guitar. Play at, at, in his 60s. You're, you're in playing your 60s? the guitar? What? Is that a secret that you're in your 60s? No. Oh, no. Okay. No, no I, I really, I'd love to just continue working, continue develop this podcast and i hope to god which i love the name of our band i didn't pick it but that name till we can't and i would just love to keep playing guitar. a good motto in your life you'll do everything till you can't that's it so well thanks dad this has been fun for me to learn a little bit more about just the the a little more depth into why you you are the human you are today hopefully everybody else enjoyed this because i think it's just cool to hear other people's stories and to hear all of the different things that you can take away as you're thinking through your own journey and how you can find the patterns that start to shape where you want to ultimately be thanks for tuning in we will uh, have another episode next sunday so stick with us and more to come absolutely is that awful drum gonna come in here now not at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not at all. I'm gonna I'm gonna do our our sign out. So thank you, Christina. Thanks, everybody. Wherever you are, whatever your story, thanks for spending time with us this morning. Now, go and make a difference in your world. <laughs> there it is. Gotta throw that in. Bye.